Coach White was very complimentary of your team, obviously, and, and Grant Williams specifically. He, he says you're one of the hardest playing teams in the entire country. I know you always want more out of your team from an effort standpoint, but do you think that's a fair assessment of your team? Well, if we don't do that, we're not very good. All right. You can do it! What is that? That's what she said. Hey, I love you! What? Nothing! Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, going back to the old intro because the person who suggested we change it has been rude on the checkerboard time. Pleasant, pleasant February weather in Tennessee time. Tennessee playing a little bit better basketball time. Maybe that's right time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you here. Wes here in Fort Rucker studio. Grant just down the road at the Blunt County satellite office of Go Vols 24-7 down there in beautiful Blunt County, beautiful Maryville, Tennessee. Grant, buddy, how are we doing tonight? Uh, jet lagged from another 9 o'clock tip-off. 9 o'clock tip-offs and a 3-and-a-half-year-old and a 7-month-old uh, do not mix very well. Just FYI if anybody's wondering. Yeah, no, uh, we were talking about this earlier today, and uh, not to give away too much of our personal lives here in detail, which I don't ever mind to do, but I understand the coworkers are that way. Grant slept, what, about three hours last night? Is that what it was? Yeah, but that was my fault. I stayed up late uh, trying to work on some stuff. I should have just went to bed. Yeah, we But were... yeah, it was, uh, it was about three hours, a quick cat nap, and then uh, the kids were ready to play hide-and-seek by 7 a.m. That's rough, because I know we didn't leave the... Uh, arena Thompson Bowling Arena until I left about two fifteen or so. I think Grant left about one forty five. We were putting in the hours late last night because thank you SEC Network. Tennessee played a nine p.m. game against the Florida Gators. However, good news for Tennessee fans: Grant Tennessee won that basketball game sixty two to fifty seven. Not the prettiest game you will ever see, but the Vols won it. Improved to twenty and seven overall, ten and five in the SEC, and importantly, two games in front of the pack. There, there's like a six-way pack there for third place uh, in the SEC right now. And as we all know, there's only four teams that get double buys in the SEC tournament in St. Louis this season. And Tennessee is now 11th in the RPI, 15th in the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, granted, it was a really, really bad weekend for the Vols, and we'll touch on that a little bit more here in a minute. But uh, last night was at least a win, right? It wasn't pretty, but it was a win. Yeah, I mean, this time of year you want to start uh, kind of trending toward playing your best basketball. Uh, but also, above all else, this time of year, it's just about grinding and uh, finding wins. And, and they didn't obviously play their best game of basketball last night. Uh, they really got the majority of their their work from Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, but it was enough to, to beat a Florida team that's, uh, that's pretty hard to figure out. That, that's a Florida team that seems like it has more talent than it shows. Uh, but whatever, for whatever reason, I think it's five out of seven they've lost in Tennessee. Uh, f- found a way to take advantage, and that's really all that matters this time of year is, is just kind of keep trucking. Yeah, you know, it seems to me like, and again, I'm, I'm looking at this thing from 30,000 feet up with that Florida program. I don't cover them on a daily basis, but I know that injury early in the season to the big man was a big, big blow because that team looks like it's about one big man away from being what it should be. Uh, it just seems like they've kind of got – a lot of threes and fours playing the four and five spots, and because uh, but then at the same time you've still got a lot of talent on that team, and you got Chris Chioza, who's one of the most talented point guards in college basketball, and a guy who makes unbelievable pass after unbelievable pass 
and then late in that game made a couple of really boneheaded plays that, that really hurt Florida. That's uh, I know Tennessee fans don't really want to talk about Florida, but that is a fascinating team, isn't it? It's a team that's really kind of hard to figure out. Yeah, and Mike White uh, seems like a good basketball coach. I mean, he can recruit very well. Uh, obviously, he uh, they they were an Elite Eight team last year, uh, lost to South Carolina in Madison Square Garden. Uh, so they've kind of been there as a program, obviously, uh, with what Billy Donovan built, it looks like Mike White is trying to kind of carry on, but he seems like a frustrated coach right now, but, uh, it's hard for Florida to win in Knoxville just because Florida brings out, uh, the best in the Tennessee fan base in terms of, uh, people showing up and being loud. I mean, that's a loud building, uh, from start to finish anytime Florida's in town or Kentucky, uh, you, you name the rival program, it's hard to win in Knoxville and, uh, credit Tennessee for taking advantage of a uh, not really a wounded physically Florida team, but it seems like a wounded uh, mentally Florida team. Yeah, and I think the crowd gets a big assist for that game on Wednesday night, like you said. That was, you know, there was a lot of good old fashioned piss and vinegar in Thompson Bowling Arena on Wednesday night, and uh, you saw really early that Tennessee scores on those first couple possessions, gets up about six nothing. The crowd's going loud. Florida takes that timeout. Uh, and then out of that timeout, Tennessee just kind of kept playing defense but really was really pretty bad on offense. A lot of silly turnovers, a lot of dumb stuff. And if Tennessee, as well as it played defense in that game, if Tennessee is even decent on offense, that game's out to 10, 12, 15 points early, uh, that lead is. But that's not the way it went. Tennessee uh, did still go out there and lead by a little bit, a bit of a comfortable margin at the break. Uh, and then just like the story of a lot of that season – uh, just did not put a team away, and I think Florida gets some credit for that. I think Florida's got some really good athletes and plays good defense, but that game, uh, Tennessee led for nearly 39 minutes in that game, but it, it never really felt comfortable, and uh, when your backcourt play is not great, uh, and, and I know Bowden made some plays down the stretch that were nice. Uh, Jordan Bone showed some 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 signs of life, especially in the first half, but to me, I looked at the game, and I've looked at it, it once more on replay, and I, I, I just the backcourt's got to play better than that grant it just does yeah and that's a uh, that's a trend right now that's uh, over the last couple of weeks uh between between bone between turner uh, lamonte turner between jordan bound between james daniel uh rick barnes has been preaching consistency since november he hasn't really found it but even through the inconsistencies there have been some high marks uh, for kind of each of those guys, they've kind of each had their nights where they, they do some good stuff. But lately, it just seems like uh, they're all just kind of struggling at the same time. Uh, it, it, it was a sign of life for Jordan Bone. I mean, he played 32 minutes. He hasn't played that much since uh, Auburn way back on January 2nd. I think he was averaging like uh, 19 minutes, something like that, the last 13 games. And the big the big thing for him, he only had six points, I think, and four assists. Uh, in those 32 minutes, uh, but he was aggressive with the basketball. I mean, the first possession, he he drives the lane and scores on that little floater uh, within the first 10 seconds of the game. That, that's huge for him. That's what they want more than anything. Other point guard is somebody that's going to push the pace and, and put pressure on the rim, as, as Rick Barnes uh, terms it. So that that's a good sign for him, at least moving forward. But, yeah, the, if, if this team's going to do stuff uh, next month, if, if they're going to stick around and give some people some problems, they're going to have to get – uh, more help from the guards and, and more consistent help. Yeah, you know, that, that bone thing, it's funny. We were talking about that, that last night that, you know, after a little inside baseball talk, after games, you know, 
when you got multiple guys on the staff, you got to figure out who's right and what. And Grant and I were talking about, you know, who's going to, I'm going to write this and you're going to write that. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I really want to write another Jordan Bone needs to play better story. I think I've written enough of those this season. It feels like that's all I've written at times this season, but I think it is that important for Tennessee. And if you've got that speed, you know, why not use it? It's frustrating. And uh, I think some of those shots last night maybe weren't great shots, but I think they're shots that you'll live with. I think those if he's going to be aggressive like that and go to the rim and try to make plays, push it and transition, that that's what Tennessee needs because uh, with the athletes that you're going to face in the SEC and the athletes that you're going to see in the NCAA tournament, you know, throughout the postseason, if you don't, if you let an opposing defense get set, it becomes a lot harder to score. If you can score in the first few seconds before they get set, well, that's something you should do. And if Tennessee has a guy who can run that well, he ought to be leading the floor, leading the way out there on the break and transition, and they ought to be doing that. But the good thing is Tennessee did get back to playing a little bit better inside-out basketball. I think that's something that we've talked about throughout the season. That's when Tennessee seems to be at its best. And uh, after Grant Williams played what I'm not sure is the worst game of his career, but definitely one of the worst games of his career over the weekend at Georgia, bounces back with 23 big points uh, despite battling foul trouble, had 23 big points and six rebounds. And as Mike White said, you know Grant, Grant Williams just kind of took over that basketball game. Yeah, uh, 23 points, I think, in 26 minutes. I think yeah. he only had uh, only needed, needed 13 field goal attempts to do it. I think he got to the line. Uh, seven or eight times at one point there in the closing uh, five minutes he just kind of scored nine straight points for Tennessee and, and just took over and it was weird to weird to see Florida just kind of man him up in the post and let him do whatever he's going to do because the, the teams uh, recently have been doubling him just about as soon as he touches the ball down low but uh, the thing they needed from him is to, to fight for deeper uh, post position which I think he did a lot early on and, and kind of got back to late in the game uh, but he was more physical. He was more kind of the explosive uh, guy you were looking for after Georgia because, I mean, he was just uh, – he was a, a non-factor at Georgia. Uh, five points, one made field goal, uh, just kind of season lows all over the place. And Yeah, I think Yante made him kind of big board him. Yeah, and, and uh, the other guy, Ogbede too. I mean, yeah. the post guys the last couple of weeks have, have kind of had their way with Tennessee and – and Florida did a little bit with Keith Stone and, and a couple other guys. But uh, what did Rick Barnes say after Georgia? Basically, he wants their stars to – they need their stars to be stars. And, and when he says that, he's talking about Grant Williams and he's talking about Admiral Schofield more than anybody. And I think they had something like uh, combined for 39-14 and 14, uh, against Florida, which isn't, which isn't you know mind-blowing numbers. But when you only score 62 points uh, to get 39 of them from your two guys – and to kind of play two on five for a lot of that game and, and find a way to win, that's a, that's a big step, and a, uh, you'll take that this time of year. Yeah, and, and Schofield wasn't quite as efficient as Williams was. I think uh, Schofield needed 17 shots to get his 16 points, but I will say in fairness to Schofield that especially when Grant Williams was on the bench battling foul trouble, there were a lot of times where they were kind of getting the ball to Schofield and nobody else wanted to make a play, so – you know he's he's gonna he's a guy who's never minded getting up shots anyway. You know Schofield's a very offensive minded guy, and uh, so he probably took a couple shots that he didn't need to take. But you know what? If nobody else is gonna do it, somebody he's got to. So I, that didn't really bother me that that he did that. That wasn't a terrible thing. But he did go down there and rebound. He had an, I think a game high eight rebounds. And when you're not getting a lot from Alexander, and when your backcourt's struggling, not what you need to be doing. 
and that's big to get that kind of stuff from Schofield because uh, he had a couple shots down the stretch that were just just huge for them, I thought. Yeah, he's, he is definitely uh, – I mean, he's not really Lamonte Turner in terms of not scared to take a shot, uh, but he is going to hunt his shot at times, and, and he's a guy that's not scared to uh, – if you need somebody to take over and, and try to change some things – uh, in terms of momentum or, or get something going, get a rally going, whatever, he'll do that. And uh, He's kind of the uh, emotional leader, it seems like, at times of this team based on the way he, he acts on the floor. So if, if, if they can get him kind of playing the right way uh, at the same time that Grant Williams is kind of responding to the, the buttons that Rick Barnes pushed, that's a, that's a good sign as you kind of close. Uh, you know, you're only down to three regular season games left, and, and then you're turning your attention to the – the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. So you got to get those guys on the same page uh, playing good basketball at the right time. And, you know, before we completely just throw the entire backcourt under the bus, I think we do probably need to mention that Jordan Bowden had a couple of really big moments in that game. Uh, his dunk in the second half, uh, in a really nice transition, kind of secondary break situation, uh, really kind of threw it down in a tough spot there. And and, and that, that really got the crowd going. That really got Tennessee going. That, that got a spurt. Uh, where Tennessee really felt maybe a little bit more in control after that happened. And then he had a couple of really big free throws late, which, you know, last year he was such a great free throw shooter. And this year he's kind of had the yips a little bit from the line. But uh, he stepped up and made some big ones in that game. And uh, when when he's hunting his shot and when he's being aggressive on offense, I think that's usually a good thing for this team. Yeah, and he even had a three uh, early in the game. I think he ended up missing it, but it seemed like a pretty quick trigger, uh, at least on the Jordan Bowden scale. It kind of had a hand in his face, but he put the shot up anyway. Uh, yeah, but he, I mean, th- that donkey had, uh, I don't know how much time was left in the game, six, seven minutes, something like that. That kid is sneaky athletic when it comes to his vertical, yes. uh, vertical jump. If you, if you keep an eye on him during pregame, when, when all these guys start dunking and stuff, uh, the way he throws the ball off the glass to himself, he can go up and get it. And it looks, uh, really, really effortless, uh, the way he does it. But yeah, that's, that's a huge dunk, a huge play. He even had a, uh, a little curl in the lane where he got open uh, not long after that uh, in the paint and, and hit that shot. And he he's kind of, it seems like he kind of struggles when he, when he gets to that mid-range floater area because he kind of forces shots up. So that was a big shot for him. And it's hard to explain the free throw stuff. I mean, he's, he's one of the best shooters on this team, period. I mean, from three-point line, uh, whatever, and, and he gets to the foul line. And, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it feels like yips because uh, it's really hard to explain whatever else it is. But – uh, he's another guy. If if they can get him trending the right direction this time of year, uh, that's a big big thing to have for them in their pocket. Yeah, and you can't convince me that that uh, some of those free throw struggles have not explained his hesitancy to go take the ball to the rim in some situations. I think a lot of those things are are kind of tied together at the hip. And uh, I think when you're when you know you're not hitting your free throws, or when you know that's in your head a little bit you're maybe a little less, you know, a little more hesitant when you kind of go in there and you know you're going to get fouled. So uh, I don't know that to be sure, but that seems like something that makes a lot of sense in my simple little head. But Grant, where where this thing is right now, if you look at a cross-section of the past couple of weeks, this is clearly not where this team wants to be, where this team needs to be. Now, overall, it's in an okay position. Things are still okay, and that win Wednesday was big for a lot of reasons, but – it just doesn't seem like this team is is kind of where it wants to be right now. Maybe that win on Wednesday got them over a wall, over a hump. We'll see, but it just seems like something's kind of amiss. Am I wrong there? No, it, it felt like for sure that there was some kind of 
uh, I don't know, a, a funk, I guess, with this team uh, when you watch that Georgia game and the way the final 10 minutes played out. And it just looks like Georgia kind of wanted it more than them uh, in the way they won that game. They, uh, the offensive boards they came down with, uh, the second, third shots they would get on possessions that would end, a, end in a made three or something like that, the way they kind of uh, bullied them in the post. It, it just it didn't feel like the dud, obviously, that, that the Alabama loss was, the way that one played out. Uh, but it just felt like uh, too many guys at, at too many different position groups were struggling at the same time. And, and they're kind of a, a victim of their own success in a way because, you know, nobody expected this team to, to be sitting here on February 22nd having 20 wins yep. uh, out of 27 games. So uh, to have a couple duds like they had at Alabama and Georgia uh, in the preseason, you probably wouldn't be too surprised by that stuff happening. But by the way they've played to this point, you don't really expect it. Uh, but but I think Wednesday was a big a big page for them to turn because it is Florida. Uh, that's a rival. You never want to lose to them. Uh, the fact that you can go five and zero against uh, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Florida in the same season for the first time in uh, years and years, decades, really, uh, I think that's a good sign for them uh, mentally, if nothing else, that they, that they they're still moving forward and they're still responding. Yeah, and, and that's. You know, what I liked about that Florida game was you saw the energy get back in that team, and, and I don't think the, the play was sharp. It's not, it was not nearly as sharp as it should be, but I thought the effort and the energy were there. However, I think the effort and energy were there in large part because the crowd brought that energy for them. And, and no one here needs me to tell them that Tennessee's got all of one more game in Thompson Bowling Arena this entire season. There are three games left in the regular season. Two of them are on the road. Uh, in Mississippi, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, and then you get home home game against uh, Georgia on Senior Day uh, the next Saturday. And then it's off to the SEC tournament in St. Louis, and then it's off to the NCAA tournament. And you're going to have to create your own energy. This isn't a situation where, you know, you're going to have, you know, fifteen to 21,000 people or whatever it is screaming for you at Thompson Bowling Arena. And I, you're going to have energy in the postseason, which is good. But this team needs energy because, as Rick Barnes said, he, he may have exaggerated a little bit because that's what he does. He's Rick Barnes. Hey, have you met him? This is what he does. But he's not wrong in the sense that this team, the way it plays, is why this team is ranked 19th in the country. It's why this team is competing for a you know top three or four NCAA tournament seed. It's because of the way it plays and how hard it plays. And Mike White said when – you know. It's easy to sit there and say to tell your guys you need to play hard against Tennessee, but to go out there and actually go do it against them, it's it's another matter. When they're playing hard, they're a pretty good team. Yeah, and and it, it did feel like the Florida game that was a lot of, of feeding off of, of the atmosphere. Uh, it, it, but it also felt like equal parts. Tennessee couldn't put Florida away, and Florida just wouldn't go away. Florida Florida would do stuff that, that whatever they had to do to stay stay in games. I mean, Tennessee goes up 10. Uh, on one of those Jordan Bowden buckets, and then Florida goes on a 9-0 run to get back within one, or, or they're, they're down nine at halftime and they score uh, seven quick points to start the second half, or whatever it was. So uh, you, you credit Tennessee, uh, even though they they struggled to kind of really put Florida away and, and create some uh, breathing room and, and uh, ability to kind of coast for a minute, uh, but they did stop runs when they had to, and they did answer and. Uh, I get tired of, of talking about this, but it really is a factor. I mean, this team hasn't had a Saturday home game uh, over the last six weeks. They've only had one, and that was against Ole Miss. And 
uh, in this league, Saturday games at home are a lot different than midweek games. Uh, that Wednesday night game against Florida felt like a Saturday atmosphere because because of what Florida brings out in the Tennessee fan base. But when you go on the road in this league uh, on a Saturday, there's there's probably 5,000 more people in the building than you're getting on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, uh, especially for a 9 o'clock tip-off. So I, I think that's a big deal. I don't I don't know why the schedule played out the way it did, uh, but that's a, that's a disadvantage for Tennessee in terms of uh, the difficulty of the road game, uh, not being able to recruit at home on a, a home weekend because you're on the road for so many Saturdays this time of year. Uh, and it felt like the Alabama and, and the Georgia stuff, it, it kind of caught up to them. So for them to, to get a really good atmosphere Wednesday night against Florida, maybe that helps them. And they got to take care of business in these Mississippi games and, and get back home for a, a good senior day uh, atmosphere against Georgia. But uh, I think there's a lot of factors that have kind of added up to, to what's going on with this team. Yeah, and, and we should mention this too. The, the way Tennessee's SEC schedule played out, it – the difficulty in it is there were so many Saturday uh, Saturday road games, which, as we've just discussed, are really, really difficult, usually much more difficult than midweek games for, for several reasons, especially uh, it, it maybe doesn't matter quite as much in a place like Knoxville, which is a bigger market, but in a lot of these other SEC places, they're in smaller towns, and those people aren't driving from major metro areas to get to those places for, for midweek games. They're going for Saturday games, and, and so it does make – a big difference and uh, but the good news about that Tennessee schedule is it's not too too tough on the back end Uh, there's these last three games here now I will caution this this Ole Miss game every every game in this SEC is tough the teams at the very bottom of this SEC this season are still pretty good basketball teams and Ole Miss which played poorly enough to get the, the the dean of SEC coaches basically dismissed and he didn't even want to finish the season because he couldn't get him to play hard and that's Andy Kennedy uh, he was out the door uh, and now they've got an interim coach in there but you look at the situation Grant uh, they've played all of I think one game maybe uh, with the new coach and that was a 90 to 87 overtime win at Missouri uh, which is very much a bubble team very much a team fighting for its postseason uh, opportunities and it'll probably be in the tournament but still um, Mizzou didn't want to take that loss. And, and so you look at it now and you go, hey, maybe whatever coaching change Pixie does, something's going on with Ole Miss and they're playing better. Yeah, it, when you start doing the math, it doesn't really make sense because Tennessee went to Missouri and lost uh, the middle of last month and they scored 55 points in that arena. Uh, and then they played Ole Miss at home and they, they scored 94 points and they beat Ole Miss by 33. Uh, and then Ole Miss goes to Missouri uh, the other night, and they scored 90, albeit in overtime, but still you're scoring 90 at Missouri. Uh, that's hard to do uh, against the Conzo Martin coached basketball team, just the way they play defense, and, and they're going to stand between you and the rim and, and make you do something. So, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be some energy for them uh, because they, they didn't have much of that uh, at Mississippi State uh, on Saturday, the, the game that kind of led to Andy Kennedy uh, being gone effective immediately instead of coaching out the – the season, but it, it will be an interesting atmosphere, you'd imagine, because I, I would assume it's senior day uh, heading into the last week of the last week of the season. If it's not, it, it's still a noon tip off uh, local time, 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, Saturday at a, at a gym. that uh, I'd say it's not been full too often this season based on how it's played out uh, and kind of the direction they're going. So, yeah, it's a good test for Tennessee to uh, kind of build on what they did against Florida, kind of turn the page on on the struggles of, of Georgia and Alabama 
uh, and see if they can do that against Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, there aren't many things out there more dangerous than a team that has nothing to lose. There are teams that have nothing to lose and they give up, um, but a lot of times there are also teams that have nothing to lose that become really, really difficult opponents to play. And uh, when you got a basketball team like Ole Miss that likes to play fast, likes to put the ball up, get some shots, when you're playing a team like that and it has nothing to lose, um, you, you could be in for a tough game. Uh, now, you never know when a game tips off as early as that one does. We'll see. You know, Tennessee's energy hasn't maybe been the best in a lot of these 9 o'clock tips anyway, so may, maybe this team will play better during the day, you know. And, and uh, you get an NCAA tournament game, you never know what time of day you're going to play that game. That might be a noon game. So uh, this is a good test for Tennessee in a lot of ways. But bottom line – uh, this is a game Saturday Tennessee probably should win. And if Tennessee takes care of that game, then Tennessee has a very, very good chance of being the two seed uh, and definitely being a top four seed in the tournament. Uh, because you go to those last couple games, you know, you're playing on the road at Mississippi State, a, a very much a bubble team and a team that's playing really good basketball, won four of its past six games. Uh, that's going to be a tough game. That's always a tough place to go play there in the hump. It's not the the biggest gym in the world, but – when people get packed in there, it can be a tough place to go play, and that team's got confidence, a great player in Witherspoon. Uh, that, that's going to be a tough game. And then you go back home for senior day and play a Georgia team um, that's you know maybe trying to get in the NIT, maybe trying to do some things, has an SEC Player of the Year candidate playing his final SEC road game of his career. So uh, if you're Tennessee, you really want to go ahead and take care of this game on Saturday because that, that, last, that last week, it, it's not – you know, the most difficult, but it's also not the easiest. There, there are going to be some challenges in that week. Yeah, and, and when you start trying to kind of do the math on, you know, this this is their, from here, this is their best case scenario, this is their uh, worst case scenario, and, and this is kind of in between. Uh, you have to appreciate the fact that they're 20-7 and seven right now, and they've, they've put themselves in a really, really good position. Uh, I mean, the sky was kind of falling after that 0-2 start. Uh, to SEC play, and then uh, since then they've won 10 of 13 uh, in the league. They've they've kind of uh, created some separation between themselves and that six-way tie for third. Uh, and it really, to me, it doesn't matter if you win the league in the regular season or if you finish fourth. Uh, based on how this SEC tournament bracket's going to be, there's going to be mismatches uh, all over the place. There's going to be mat teams you don't want to match up with if, if you're uh, number one Auburn or number two Tennessee or if Tennessee finishes fourth. Uh, the important thing is to get this double by, uh, to get straight into the quarterfinal round in St. Louis. Uh, you won't open up play until that Friday, uh, and you're, you're looking at at most three games in three days. When for some teams it could be five games in five days if if they did the improbable, uh, and 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 just kind of kept winning and kept playing. So uh, the good thing for Tennessee, they've they've taken care of business to this point where they can afford something bad to happen. Uh, if it does happen, but but you look at what they got left. At worst, they should finish two and one. Uh, that Mississippi State game won't be easy, given uh, what Mississippi State's playing for. But if they do that, I mean, you're looking at a 22 and eight season. I mean, they could go 0 and three and and still be 20 and 10 and and probably be a top four seed uh, and and still be a, obviously a lock for the NCAA tournament. So they have put in uh, a good amount of work and have accomplished quite a bit to this point to where they can afford. Uh, a built-in loss if they have to have it yeah and you know one, one thing that I liked hearing from this team uh, and again when I say this team we, we spoke with all of one player after the game and uh, understandably so because that was such a late game uh, those guys have early classes but we did speak with Grant Williams after the game and he said point blank that 
he he didn't think 20 wins was you know he he thought it was a nice little accomplishment but he, you know it used to be hey a 21 season is a big deal and when you look at where this Tennessee team was and how difficult this schedule was this season hey winning 20 games is actually kind of a kind of a, kind of a big deal I think with this team but uh, you look at it and Grant Williams said we got much bigger much much bigger goals than that so I, I thought that was a good response and whether they actually feel that way we don't know but at least Grant Williams seemed to handle that question the right way and, and this team is still looking forward and still knowing that it can play better yeah and as much as Rick Barnes uh, tells us how good the SEC is and and how every team that goes to St. Louis has to feel like uh, they can play the kind of basketball that it would take to win that tournament, uh, how, how even the league is top to bottom. Uh, I'm sure he tells them 10 times as much as he tells that to us, and he, he says that just about every time he talks to us. So uh, they're, they're definitely not going to be, uh, you would imagine, not caught sleeping over these last three games. They're going to know the test. I mean, even after the Georgia loss, Admiral Schofield was already talking about playing Georgia again uh, on senior day because of the way that game ended they were ready to play them again already so uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna know what's waiting for them and they need to be setting themselves up to play uh, start playing their best basketball in the postseason get here uh, regardless of what they do in the SEC tournament uh, they've they've put themselves in position to be a really good seed uh, in the NCAA tournament and and once you do that if you get some matchups uh, you like if, if people are playing the right way, uh, this team could make some noise, or if, if the guard plays still bad, this team could uh, could be one and done, and, and a really good season would be would be over pretty quickly. So it's going to be a lot about mentality of this team, the mindset, and kind of how they're approaching games, and uh, if they can start quick, if if they can have that defensive energy and intensity, and, and it's it's kind of you're trying to put all these different pieces of the puzzle together uh, at the right time. It's funny that you mentioned that thing because uh, that that Admiral Schofield quote because, you know, I've got here this sort of rough outline of things that we, uh, you know, kind of things that hey moron don't forget to talk about this during the podcast notes and one of them says Admiral Georgia quote dash angry, so yeah uh, that that was very much so uh, what what you just described that was Admiral Schofield after that Georgia game. Uh, he he was he did not mince words when saying that he didn't like the way that game was officiated and that he wants to get a piece of that team at home. So uh, I, I, whatever happens these next couple games, I, I I'm going to hazard a guess that Tennessee is going to uh, be ready to play for that Georgia game. Yeah, and and the way that I mean Rick Barnes says constantly that they don't care what uh, people on the outside of the program think; they want to play to their own standard. Uh, and I think this team has kind of adopted that. They, they have a certain standard, uh, and, and what they showed at Georgia in those final 10 minutes is not the standard uh, they want to they be held to. I mean, they got out tough. They got kind of just outplayed, outmuscled, whatever. And, and basically, I think Avril has asked something about the foul line discrepancy. I think, I can't remember what it was. Georgia made 27. A, a lot to, line, yeah, a lot to not much. I think Tennessee only attempted 15, and, and Admiral basically said, uh, it doesn't matter how aggressive you are. If you're not getting the calls, you're not getting the calls. And, and that kind of happens a lot at home and, and they can't wait to get George at home uh, on senior day. So that, that, I think that speaks volumes that Tennessee isn't looking uh, ahead to the postseason. They, they, they want to, they want to rematch with the Georgia team just because they're, they're kind of pissed off that Georgia beat them uh, the way that they did. So they, they kind of want to meet their standard uh, and not really worry about what other people think. So that, that makes you believe that this team's mind uh, is in the right place, and, and they're they're in a good place despite the fact that 
they haven't played some of their best basketball over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple more quick notes before we get out of here, guys. One, uh, I don't know that this matters a great deal, but uh, I think you could argue it matters at least a little bit. Uh, I think the way the past couple of days played out really did a lot for Grant Williams with the uh, SEC Player of the Year race. Uh, because Alabama sat there without Mustafa Heron and still beat Alabama by 19 points. Uh, and then you look at that and you go, okay, well, Colin Sexton, another candidate for the award, plays against an Auburn team that does not have Mustafa Heron playing and still loses that game by 19 points. Uh, and then Grant Williams goes out there head-to-head against Chioza, another candidate for the award, uh, and plays a really, really good game despite foul trouble. Uh, scoring 23 points in, in 26 minutes. Uh, so I, I think I, I've been talking to guys around the league. Uh, I don't know exactly who's going to win this thing, but, you know, especially if those two Auburn guys, uh, Heron and Brown, kind of take votes away from each other, there's a chance that, that Grant Williams sneaks in there and wins that award. Yeah, and, and what makes it uh, a really hard kind of race to even even to, to just kind of pare down the candidates across the league, there's not that one dominant team. Uh, there is, it's not a top-heavy league where they're – there's a star uh, on a on a team like Kentucky or or like a, maybe a Texas A&M in the past or a Florida in the past where uh, you you knew Malik Monk was going to be the the rookie of the year the player of the year whatever in the past yeah, guys Anthony like Davis that. yeah all those guys yeah De'Aaron Fox I mean there's you know Shai Gilgis Alexander's been really good for Kentucky uh, there's been some surprises Tremont Waters at, at at LSU but what what plays into Grant's favor. Uh, it's hard to imagine a, t- a player that's more important to his team's success uh, than Grant Williams. And it just so happens Tennessee's second in the SEC standings, and, and, and they've got some breathing room ahead of that, that, that massive tie for third. Uh, so it does feel like maybe Bryce Brown, Heron, like you said, uh, Grant Williams. And outside of that, you're just kind of uh, grasping at straws trying to figure out who would even be in the conversation. Uh, it, it does hurt Grant that he hasn't had as, as many huge games lately as he did, like the, the 37 at Vanderbilt or, or scoring over 20 or, or whatever. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. It's it's not not quite like Coach of the Year where it's it's kind of obvious. It's it's either Rick Barnes or it's Bruce Pearl. This is a this is going to be a wide open uh, Player of the Year award. It feels like. Yeah, and, and you know, if you ask me, you know, dollars to donuts, who's the best player in the Southeastern Conference? I would say it's probably Sexton. Uh, to me, it's, he's the best that I've seen so far this season. I think he's just an unbelievable player. But there have been some consistency issues there. But man, what a player he is! And and the guy who I think actually would win the award if his team were just a little bit better. Uh, is Yante Maiden, who I, I think is just a really, really great college basketball player. Not sure what he's going to do after uh, college. We'll see if he can stick onto an NBA roster or, or what his situation is there. But but he's just a really good college basketball player uh, and a guy who um, I just I think the world of. I think he's a really good player. Uh, and I think there's three guys on there in this league that if you took them off their roster, you would see a team fall off a cliff. And that's Grant Williams, Colin Sexton, and Yante Maiden. So. The, those three to me, uh, and Chios is a great player too. I mean, there's it, 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 there's probably seven or eight guys you could make a legitimate argument for, uh, but I'm fascinated to see where that goes. And, and the last thing before we get out of here, Grant, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. Uh, the SEC, 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 see if I can get it right, SEC tournament, you say that 10 times fast and see how that works out for you. That was always going to be a really, really good tournament this season. Uh, it's been – a really, really entertaining league. Uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs with a lot of teams. There's a 
I mean, shoot, there's a there's a six-way tie for third place in the league right now, and those teams are one game above 500. I mean, this is kind of like old-school ACC Big East tough there in the middle of that league. Um, but that was always already going to be a tough tournament. And now news emerged Wednesday afternoon that Conzo Martin hinted earlier this season that Porter might play Grant, and he might have been right. Yeah, he was uh, – was what was the quote? Cleared of, of basketball – uh, for basketball activities Wednesday. I think that was per uh, John Rothstein of CBSSports.com. I mean, uh, that's huge news for, for Missouri. Obviously, I think I think Conzo Martin, uh, I know this, this doesn't go over very well probably in this market, but I think he's done a pretty good job uh, given where Missouri was this time of year ago to where they are now. Oh, with no Porter, have, yeah. To not have Michael Porter Jr. this whole time. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how quickly cleared for basketball activity translates into uh he's back on the practice floor with his teammates and how quickly that translates to uh he's on the floor playing a ton of minutes being very valuable uh commodity obviously to his basketball team uh he was a guy i remember passing him at sec media days in nashville back in october uh thinking holy crap this guy is is huge i mean uh, the length he has i mean he just looks like a freak uh so if you mix him in with what missouri's done already Obviously, that would be a huge, huge problem for a lot of teams. But I'm interested to see how quickly that translates from uh, where he is now to him being in the game, impacting games, because uh, there's not a lot of basketball left before the SEC tournament and before the NCAA tournament if, if Missouri ends up being a uh, NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I'm interested to see how, how well he performs be, because he's a guy who hasn't had a lot of uh, he wouldn't have a lot of run before the, the, the tournament started. So, you know, it'd be fascinating to see uh, would he be a guy like a John Fulkerson who you could tell how much t- basketball he'd missed or, uh, you know, is he such a special player that it really won't matter. Uh, that is fascinating. And i got to give credit to Conzo Martin for that because he hinted uh, – I remember talking to him a couple months ago and he thought that Porter could return this season. And I kind of was thinking, dude, you're crazy. But, I mean, because that kid with how much he's got to play for – uh, I, if I were him, I don't know that I'd want to come back and play. You know, if you come back, if you you don't look as good, you know, you, you're putting bad tape out there for people to see. Uh, you're maybe risking further injury. I just I didn't think he'd come back and play. I really didn't. So him coming back, uh, you got to people who don't know this. This kid was an unbelievable prospect, one of the top prospects uh, in all the, in all college basketball, and a for sure one and done guy uh, who's going to have a really nice career in the NBA. So. Getting him back into a league that's already pretty salty, uh, that's going to be fun because I you could ask six guys or seven guys who they think will win that tournament and get six or seven different answers. Yeah, and and you're 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 right about uh, credit uh, Missouri and and getting Porter back if if he does rush back or whatever. Uh, credit the kid for for wanting to play and wanting to impact his team given how much he has on the line. But yeah, he's a, he's a guy that if he does come back, he changes a lot of things. Uh, changes the landscape kind of uh, heading to St. Louis and it's in St. Louis of all places. So it's right there in Missouri's backyard. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting week regardless of how the bracket plays out. Uh, the six way tie for third. I think there's another three way tie lower in the standings and then like a two way tie at the bottom of the standings. So uh, the league is, is crazy. It's been crazy all year. Uh, the fact that Auburn is one right now, Tennessee's two, and I think Mississippi State's three, and those teams were picked ninth, 12th, and 13th in the preseason uh, media poll with Auburn picked ninth. So it's uh, it's been insane. But congrats on uh, 
mentioning Michael Porter Jr. and John Fulkerson uh, in the same sentence. That's uh, that seems impossible, but it happened. Yeah, you know, uh, I just I wanted to give respect to Kingsport. I wanted to give respect to uh, one of the probably you could argue you could argue the greatest city in Sullivan County, Tennessee. You can make a pretty good argument for that. Uh, with a, with an unbiased opinion, I would say you're you're right about that. Bless his heart, though. Uh, he's he's tried this season. I think he's going to be all right. I think the kid. You give him a chance. I, I think I think he could. Uh, I think he could have a better season uh, next season. I think he's a guy who could do some things. I, I don't want to just completely run all over the kid because I, I you know, he, he's been through a lot physically in the last little bit. Uh, Grant, last thing I got for you before we get out of here: How much are you looking forward to spending? Probably the next. Oh, I don't know probably 35 hours in the car the next few days yeah i always dreamed of having an oxford and starkville back-to-back and being spread out enough that i couldn't just stay in the state of mississippi between the two games so uh to drive there and drive back twice is really something that the dream you know dreams come true keep keep grinding kids keep working out there and, and one day you can you can realize your dreams like these two guys uh yabbering away on a, on a podcast i think that's a great point to end on Guys, thanks for listening. We will be back next week. We'll have a couple more episodes for you. We'll have another football podcast, another basketball podcast. And who knows, after Ramey and I spend the uh, next as amount of time as we're going to be spending in a car together the next couple weeks, we, we could probably write a, write a book about that. I'm going to go uh, reintroduce myself to my kids. Good idea. Name tag. Good idea. Get out of here, buddy.